In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The kids up through the sixth grade, please come forward. Just watch. <laughs> oh, hi. Glad you're here. Here, have a seat right here so I can see you. Sit right, sit down right there. No, I'm gonna, no I'll, see you. I'll sit on the floor so I can see you. <laughs> Turn around, look at me. Turn around, sit down right there. Sit down, sit down. Turn around so I can see you. To look at me. Turn around, look at me. No, turn this way. <laughs> No. Turn your whole body around and turn this way and look at me. There we go. There you go. So, don't we have a great God? We have a great, magnificent, marvelous, holy God. A God who, who is right here with us, and yet he guards the whole universe all at the same time. God who can be right here watching over us as we worship him. And yet God, who is all over this world and is watching over every single person alive. Isn't that a great God? Can you do that? I can't do that. No, only God can do that. And this God, the Bible tells us how wonderful he is and how we are supposed to worship God because he loves us and he wants us to love him back, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And, and so we worship. That's why we're here this morning. We're worshiping God. And, and our Christian faith, in our Christian faith, we believe that we believe something that is really essential for Christianity. I mean, Christi- Christians are supposed to believe this, that we have a God who is, we call it the Holy Trinity. You know, you know what the Holy Trinity is? What? Tell me. Explain it to me because I don't, I'm not sure. Huh? The Father? And the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so, we, so we, we, we love this God who is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's three persons. We call, we call him the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, that's right, same thing. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. God is three persons. How many gods do we believe in? One, one God, only one God. Yes. Yeah. But the other percentage of people who aren't Christian are just dying. They're just they're just falling down. They're and they don't and they don't believe they don't know. Dying, they're dying and they're and they don't know what to believe sometimes, do they? They're dying. Yeah. Some people are dying not physically but in their faith. In their in their spirit, they're dying, and people all all over the world who aren't Christians are dying. Is what you're saying, right? Yeah. No, but well, let's talk about. Let's finish. Let me finish talking about. Yeah, but let's, let's talk about this. So God, so if, how can God be three persons and one God? Do you know? How many of you, you ever, you ever ride a tricycle? Huh? Yeah, how many, how many wheels on a tricycle? So you have three tricycles. Uh, tri means three, by means. Tri means three, by means what? Two. Two, yeah. So, 
Yeah, bicycle has two tires and tricycle has three tires. So you have three tires, right, on a tricycle and you have one tricycle, right? So God has revealed himself in both the Old and New Testaments as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has revealed himself as this wonderful holy God who comes to us in different ways. Uh, you're, it's okay. You're excused. Uh, this is basically like the, the church is the sea and the, and the three gods, the Holy Spirit, God. One God. The Holy Spirit, God, and Jesus are the wheels of this church. So, the, the church so God, oh, oh, okay. Like the church is like the tricycle and the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are the wheels that carry it, right? Ah, that's a good thought. I like that thought. You want to sit on the bench? Like here? No. Okay. I used to sit on the bench when I played baseball a whole lot. I did. So, so Dick and John is going to explain the Holy Trinity to us. But just, just remember this. That as Christians, we believe, that we, we believe in one God. But God has revealed himself to us in three persons. Like your person... And you're a person, and you're a watermelon, and you're a person. Now you're a person, aren't you? You're not a watermelon, are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a person. I've eaten 50 watermelons. You, you've eaten 50. You have not eaten 50 watermelons in one day. Well, okay. All right, I'm going to let y'all go. Um, if you want to get a package, you can get a package from Mr. Music. You can color and go back and sit with your dad, okay? Or, or with your mom over here. Yeah, you can go, go get a packet and you can color. You want to go get a packet? Okay. Well, you can go back to your mom then. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, John. You can, John, top that. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't we glad to have children's sermons back again? Yes. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, you know, I, I thought about trying to top that explanation for uh, the Trinity, but uh, as I was doing my readings this week, the more I read, the, the more complex it got, the more tired I felt, and... Uh, so I decided I was just going to go with, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. So there you go. I'll let Father Stan win that competition. Um, I want to talk to you today about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in your lives. And I just want to share some thoughts uh, that uh, I uh, felt this week as I was studying. So I'm going to start with God, the Father, God above us. It's, it's the most standard way that people think of God. God is somehow the great creator, distant from us. He's created all that's good, all that's true, all that's beautiful. Every blessing that we have experienced in our lives is a gift from God, the Father. And God, the creator, creator of the universe. 
And sometimes I think when we think of God, the creator of the universe, who's all-powerful, all-knowing, uh, all-seeing, uh, it's a little intimidating. It is a mystery. It is it's beyond our ability to explain. And so uh, we could turn to another vision of God, the Father. We could think of God, the lawgiver. God who brings order out of chaos. And we think of the 613 mitzvah, or if you prefer, just the Ten Commandments. And we think about God as a judge, and, and that tends to make us uncomfortable. And I suppose it ought to, as we are all sinners who fall short of the glory of God. So, think about law, though, in a different way. We think about the laws of the universe, the, the law of gravity, the law of inertia, the laws of planetary motion, and I'm sure many laws that we have yet to discover that define the way in which the universe operates on both a macro and micro level. A God who brings order out of chaos. And to think about what it would be, for example, without the gravity that causes the sun to attract the earth. Because God created a universe with such complexity and with such a narrow range of possibility for human life to exist, and yet it does. Take away that one law and this planet flies off into the dark, away from the sun, away from light, into darkness, into death. So we should be grateful for the laws. Or if you prefer, we could picture it the other way. Uh, what would the world be like if tonight at midnight all law ceased to exist and all law enforcement disappeared? Would you, would you look forward to the hours of darkness after midnight tonight if that were the case? So God in his power and his majesty may be a mystery and yet that mystery is a blessing. Without it, we would not have life. But in our readings for today, it's God the Father, Abba, the God who has offered to adopt us as his children. That is the most comforting vision of God the Father. He's a God who's given each of us a place in, in his story. He has a plan, an eternal plan of redemption. And all of the Old and New Testament scripture across the span of time 
is the story of that plan of redemption. And here's the thing that I would like you to walk away with as you think about God the Father today in that eternal plan of redemption. God created you. As an individual, God created you and made you part of the plan. And he gave you purpose. He gave you potential. He gave you a choice. Will you choose? Will you choose to become part of God's plan? Will you seek the plan that God has for your life? Will you respond yes to that call? God the Father, who restores life and gives it meaning. God the Son, Jesus. Jesus tells us that he is one with the Father as the Father is one with him. And he urges us to become one with him. If we become one with Jesus, we become one with the Father. If we become one with Jesus, we become one with each other. We become the church. So the church is found in Jesus. People like to think of Jesus in his primary role, Jesus the Savior. Without him, we are lost. Without him, we have no hope of eternal life. And so it's comforting to picture Jesus the Savior, Jesus who paid the price for our sin on the cross. Jesus who offered us the opportunity to be redeemed. But of course, there's the Jesus that the disciples did. Jesus the rabbi. Jesus the teacher. After all, if God the Father is this mystery, if he's incomprehensible, if he's difficult to explain, then Jesus would live a life that would make God the Father knowable to us. If we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. And his great instruction to each of his 12 disciples and to the larger community of disciples is simple and yet so difficult. Follow me. Jesus, Jesus becomes the way to the Father the way, the truth, and the life. And it is a life. It is an entire lifetime of studying Jesus, his words, his actions, his methods of living and teaching and relating to God that provide for us the way. 
as scripture tells us today, the way to put to death our old life. To put on Christ. That's Jesus. Jesus is the way to the narrow gate. He is the gate. And only through Jesus can we enter into eternal life. But Jesus himself says that the way is difficult. The path is narrow. It's hard to get there. But just as scripture tells us today that Moses in the wilderness held up the staff with the snake. And if you were within sight of that staff and death came in the form of a poisonous snake bite, you only needed to look to the staff to be saved. So Jesus' death on the cross, right, saves us. But this is the trick of the journey, is it not? The difficult winding journey is that we have to stay within sight of Jesus in order to be saved. Jesus says, follow me. And all of us know that the journey is a long one and it's a difficult one. It requires endurance, perseverance. It's a challenge to us. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And so if I were going to walk away with that one thought about Jesus the Son today, it would be to follow Jesus. And when you fall down, get back up. And when you stray off the path, come back to the path. Jesus gave us the church so that you and I could be encouragers, so that you and I could call one another back and lift one another up so that we could stay within sight of Jesus knowing no matter how much wandering and falling we do along the way, as long as we stay within sight of Jesus, we will arrive at the gate in eternal life. God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit, who can only come when Jesus ascends back into heaven. And he sends us the comforter. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit working within the church, within you, within me. That allows us to provide those words of encouragement, those those words of comfort. It's the Holy Spirit that sets us on fire, that causes us to hunger and thirst for righteousness, that draws us in the difficult times to continue our journey following Jesus. God, the Holy Spirit, is God within us. If God the Father is a God above us who at times can seem distant, then Jesus who walked a life like ours, God among us, 
But among us, he could only touch a few, a few hundred, a few thousand, probably. In one brief period of time, in one small area, smaller than the state of Louisiana. But the Holy Spirit has the power to touch people everywhere in every time period. And Jesus tells us today as he talks to Nicodemus that unless we're born of the Spirit, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. You see, it's the Holy Spirit who is the guide. It's the Holy Spirit who is the motivator. It's the Holy Spirit who keeps us on the difficult pathway. And it's the Holy Spirit who is the corrector of our bad behaviors. Who calls us back to the path so that we can continue to follow. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the power of God within you. The power of God. If God's overarching message is one of redemption, then in order for you and I to be prepared for life in the kingdom of God, we must be transformed. And the Holy Spirit is the power through which that transformation occurs. James tells us in the first chapter that as we endure, if we are lacking in wisdom, if we are lacking in knowledge, we should pray to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will give us all that we need to know in order to continue to endure until our travel is complete. And we've been transformed into that vision that God the Father had at the beginning when he gave us a purpose. And he designed a perfect us. You see, the Holy Spirit delivers the gifts of the Spirit. He equips us for the journey And that's what we're about here now at this moment at St. Timothy's in our equipping the saints plan. We are looking to transform the church, right? To transform ourselves. It's an ongoing lifetime commitment. And just as God the Father and Jesus gave us a choice. The Holy Spirit gives us a choice. We hear that story today from the Old Testament. We see the vision of heaven. We see the vision of the saints. We see the glory of God. But when God calls... Who shall we send? The question is, are we willing to say, here am I, send me. 
transform me. Allow me to become all that you created me to be. Use me to fulfill your plan of redemption that you might be glorified. And so that is my prayer for us this morning as we leave this place. Are you willing to be turned inside out? Are you willing to say yes to God? Are you willing to seek to become one with Christ? Are we willing to become one as the body of Christ? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.